Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 31.3-year Wall Street veterans that have taken on secret identities and gone underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks we screen for here in the shop each week. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week is the May 4th, 2012 edition of the Value Guys Talk Stock Talk Show. And this week, Mo, you'll be interested to know, we've got a new type of screen going on this week. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing a bunch of value screens, like we did our PE screen, our enterprise value to sales screen, a price to book screen, all the kind of stuff we actually do here in the shop to find undervalued stocks. All right. And this week... I thought we were going to have to go do the PE screen again, but I have a new, uh, a new screen I worked on. But first, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only, and that's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, Mo and I are professional analysts during the week, and we do a lot of careful work on the fundamentals. We do earnings projections. We talk to management. We review conference call notes, and, of course, We've done absolutely none of that here. I, I've tried to do as little as possible, as I usual. Thought, I thought you were cheating earlier. But yeah. I... No, I did a few things. Uh, third, and our lawyers say we need to remind you that we may not have your best interests in mind, so do your own work. We may accidentally recommend that you do the opposite of what is really best for you. We may intentionally do it. Yeah, and that's our choice, isn't it? But yeah. not really. Okay. And then fourth, and this may become increasingly obvious this week, we have been drinking. It's just after work on Friday, we're kicking back. So, um, Grey Goose. Yeah, so we've got a nice uh, new bottle of, uh, you know, uh, of vodka this week, thanks yeah. to you, Mo. Looking yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I know it's helped my stock picking, you know. Well, helped, uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, no comment on that. So I've got some important, I don't know if it's important, but interesting, exciting news about the value guys. The value guys are now available on YouTube. Yeah. Amazingly. Yeah. We had nothing to do with it, really. But uh, thanks to uh, Carrie Lutz and the Financial Survival Network, <clears throat> they have uh, put our show on YouTube. And evidently, they'll be having it on the radio uh, on, uh, let's see here, a station in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, 1490 AM, WG. Ch. There, I was on it the was on it this afternoon to just look at it, and there are uh, there are nearly uh, five million hits on that YouTube. Really? Yeah, our yeah. very first YouTube <clears throat> debut. Yeah, been, it's been amazing. It's been it's what they're saying. It might be one of the biggest things that has ever happened to YouTube. Yeah, but no English speaking hits. That was well, the odd part. Yeah, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot of foreigners, but and who knows? I guess the good, the music was terrific. Well, so, I went on, I looked at it, I was impressed. I was, I was, um, I was looking around when I was in there because you know when 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 we come up, yeah, on the right hand side, there's all of the other shows that if you yeah. like us, you might like them. Right. Some interesting stuff out there. Well, cartoons. You know, they well, we, they're getting confused about our logo now. Right under the value guys on YouTube, at least as of this afternoon, was the. RV Learning Network. Now listen to this. The RV Learning Network. Big, some big stuff here. Huh, okay. Um, RV stands for remote viewing. So they've yeah. just 
declassified a trove of top secret CIA research. Really? Um, that was called remote viewing. It's what the CIA and the Army used before drones. It's how they got to see behind enemy lines using psychic... Why are you doing research into this? What are you guys working on listen over there? Listen to this. Listen, Ed Dames is a retired military officer. How do you know Ed? <clears throat> he's on the mysterious, YouTube. Mo. He's on the YouTube video right underneath. Okay, the so value you learn list. this. So I you see. learn this by okay. watching that YouTube video. All right. And according to Ed, who's been involved with the CIA, this is the most groundbreaking, scientifically developed, teachable mind skill in the world, and he has a financial markets application. Really? So you can harness your psychic powers. You buy the DVD. It's it's listed right under us. It's called Remote Viewing. Um, really? Yes, wow. by Ed Dames. <laughs> and you buy the DVD. Is your he psychic... paying you or something? No, <laughs> but I'm buying the DVD, what? and you're going to do one screen your way. I and am? I'm going to use my psychic powers, and we're going to see whose screen does better. He's got a psychic screen versus our fundamental screen. Is that what you're saying, Mo? Yes. And you think it might be an alpha generator. I'm, okay. I'm telling I mean, you. it's worth a shot, I guess. So next week. Yeah, bring that in. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's already advantages to being on YouTube, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, this week, we do have a screen. And for the last couple months, um, we've basically each week been doing a different screen that value guys do in the shop. And how do I know that? Because we're value guys, and we're in a shop. And we do these screens to find stocks. So it's, it's primary... Uh, research and it's not meant to be a black box to figure out exactly which stock to buy by any means. It's meant to be, in effect, a filter to give you an inbox, right, of things to work on. So, this week <clears throat> we did something so realistic because today in the shop, today in the shop, we had a pizza research pizza party, and the goal was to have all the analysts bring in a handful of micro cap ideas because and this is stocks under 500 million you know how many analysts these stocks have covering them generally I'll round up zero so it's completely untouched territory basically and so again to save time and do as little as possible I'm just piggybacking on the hard work of the analysts here and you know, frankly, they don't like it. But you know, I'm not telling them, and they don't—they're not <clears throat> listeners. So the other thing that's interesting is they're legitimately good ideas that were brought to a public forum. In the old yeah. days, we were stuck using that whatever was in that week's value line. Yeah. This lets us graze more. Uh, well, we're just—you know, this is this is a realistic approach to I think it's building a portfolio. That's what we do. Okay. And so, and I'll tell you, we don't own any of these. Yet. Uh, but, you know, this is the stuff we actually looked at in the shop today, and uh, we picked out a handful of them. So there's four, four names you want to talk about today. First up is uh, Corvell Corp, ticker CRVL. Second, and we are going alphabetically. We're sticking to that tried Protocol, and true yeah. method. Yeah. Uh, EasyLink, then uh, that's ticker ESIC. Interparfums. I don't want to mispronounce that, but I already have. IPAR, and that's been around for a while, and that does actually have more than zero analysts. It has seven. Uh, and then a company called, again, I you know, haven't heard of this one, Intersections, ticker INTX. So we're going to get into that. And then we're also, at the back half of the show, we're going to have Walking Through National Economic Trends, that exciting 
segment where we page through this and see if there's anything interesting. And there's always a couple things, so we'll have that. <clears throat> and then uh, we're introducing a new segment today, uh, and the reason for that is it was sitting on my screen and Mo thought it was interesting. So we're going to call that this chart on my screen. And it's this week, it's a ranking of all the uh, performance of the various industry groups. Yeah, it's a, you know, I so whatever. We're, it's the end of the quarter, we were kind of, interesting. or end of the month, we were kind of looking at that. Okay. Um, first up. First up. Uh, oh, and I, you know what? The, and excuse us, uh, regular listeners, this is for, uh, evidently, the show's on the radio. So I need to say this. Uh, you're listening to Stock Talk with the Value Guys. Up next is name, name of, of segment. segment. What's that? No, oh. that's, I think. Uh, up next is Corvell Corp. And now we pause. Of course, they're doing something on the radio. Now we're back. The value guys are back talking about insert, insert name, name of, of segment. segment. Okay. Well, uh, we're doing uh, Corvell Corp. Yeah. So that's a segment. We should erase that. <laughs> Listen in every Tuesday on the Financial Survival Network on 1490 WG. C H H H H Okay, so that was fun. All right, first up, Corvell Corp. This came off a screen that was a microcap screen, so stocks under 500 million. And I also just uh, screened for stocks under 500 million that uh, you know had a good return on assets. So as we've talked about in past weeks, you don't always have to screen on low PE and stuff because you might, you know, you, you might miss some good companies that might be a little more expensive and you're willing to pay up, that kind of thing. So we've got pretty good uh, margins this week. This Corvell, it's got, uh, it attracted, what I was attracted to was just mid-teens margins, growing sales, a good return on assets, and, uh, and then I look at the business description. That's interesting. What do they do? Well, Corvell, I'm just reading out of the 10K is an independent nationwide provider of medical cost containment and managed care services designed to address the escalating medical costs of workers' compensation and auto policies. So what these guys do is they go to firms that are already insuring your health, so workers' compensation companies are insuring you know, your good health in the workspace, and then auto policies are covering the medical for people in auto accidents. Those are their customers, and they're helping them to reduce the medical costs. So they're doing all kinds of things, claims management, uh, bill review. They're working with the networks to optimize that, utilization management, which is just like capacity utilization. So they're adding a professional layer of management, in effect, as an agent for the broader insurance company, and they're getting paid pretty well to do it. This thing looks like a utility. The margins are so stable. And then the returns on capital are mid to upper teens, and whether we retain Obamacare or we don't, I don't think there's going to be any let up on, uh, you know, an approach toward cost containment. And then, you know, the valuation seven times EBITDA, and listeners know I like to flip that over, think of it as an earnings yield, one over seven, it's about 14%. So if we bought the whole company, we bought all the stock, we bought all the debt so we could have the rights to the cash flow that's now going to interest, and we you know, subtracted out the cash, we would earn a 14% cash on that investment. And the market cap here is $450 million. So, you know, uh, 
the, the guys uh, in the New York Athletic Club right now could get together and just buy this, and they'd have a 14% return, and that might be better than they're getting. And look at this analyst coverage. Zero. Zero. So I'm interested in this, Mo, and we threw it out on the table today, and you know, the team's going to go do some work because we don't know anything about it other than what I've just said, but it certainly looks interesting, don't you think? You know, it does, and I, you know, I would have thought <clears throat> that a company like this would have you know, much higher sales growth because, I mean, come on, medical cost containment, that, that's probably the biggest growth industry uh, in America, maybe outside of energy, but they had a 9% growth in 2010 and a 12% sales growth in 2011. So I would, I'm just wondering, is that the business? I would have thought it would have been a lot higher. Um, but on a more serious note, here's a question, and, and this is purely technical. In 2009, the stock was up 50%. In 2010, it was up 44%. Um, in 11, it was only up 7%. And so far, 2012 is down 20 So I worry... Ooh, we sort of peaked here with the enthusiasm for cost containment. Are people, what, are people throwing in the hat and waiting for a better outlook on what's happening with Obamacare? But I'm That's what I that, think it is right you there. You think right there? Because yeah. it looks like the stock's sort of turning over. And uh, I don't know that I want to jump on when I'm seeing that kind of loss of longer-term momentum. But well, maybe yeah. that's what they're waiting for. I think, you, you know, you have to have some conviction that these services are going to still be in demand. And I guess the bear case might be that the government is going to take over stuff. I mean, they're putting taxes on, uh, you know, medical products and such. Maybe people feel that somehow this is going to be, uh, you know, taxed in the sense that it'll, it'll hit demand. Or, But I, I, it's an add-on product to existing insurance policy. Yeah, but it would... So I think that if the market is being, you know, cautious on this, they're, they're not digging in. It's babies out with the bathwater because... This is professional management on a very specific piece of the healthcare pie, and that is the part that comes into play when you're in an auto accident right. or when you're hurt at work. And so they're very narrow little niches within. And my guess is that uh, with the they have corporate customers who are ROI based, and right. the stability of this margin tells me that the ROI is you know whether healthcare costs go up or down. It's like hiring lawyers to attack patents rather than have scientists invent drugs. The ROI is, uh, you know, is is good for these insurance companies to hire this specialty manager, and that's what I'm excited about. That it's a, it appears to be some type of annuity, and it's not too expensive. So, uh, and zero analysts. You gotta love that. You know, I mean, honestly. So, anyway. technically, we're the first then. We're kind Does of analysts, and we analyst? kind of did a, an analysis. I don't know. All right. Okay. Uh, next up, EasyLink Services International, Class A. Now, I'm not a fan of that, but we'll just ignore that for now. Um, I don't know. You want to cloud like this one? Cloud-based applications. So they must... Uh, it's an agricultural firm that uh, seeds clouds for rain over... Crops? We don't know that much about this. It could be. I mean, cloud applications. What other cloud applications are there? I have no idea. Cloud? There's cloud Secure mitigation networks. at airports. <laughs> at airports. If it gets well, cloudy. Uh, you know, yeah, so they're cloud-based. Let me grab that bottle uh, back from you. No, uh, they, you know, what do they do? They're, they're integrating networks on big platforms so companies can Wait a minute. I thought these were on clouds, not well, platforms. You, There's a big difference there. If you have a lot of people flying around, I suppose. But 
You know, it's the, the internet. Mo, you know about that. What that surprised me is they let two companies talk to each other on secure networks. I just, I, I never really thought as a person, you don't think about that. You'll just email stuff. But if you're a company, you want to hire these guys to make sure you've got secure communications between either you, your customers, other other people in your network. Right? Yeah. That's what they do. Well, sales information, terms and you want, of contracts. And you don't want somebody to be able to hack that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. So yeah. I guess so. I mean, they're earning uh, whatever it is they do. And, you know... Don't you know Mo and I are we're pretty pretty much expert on this, wouldn't you say, Mo? But uh, not enough to really know what we're talking about. I would also add, but the margins here are remarkably stable. So I like that as an analyst. And the gross you know, margins are you know seventy yeah, sixty seventy percent. What's not to like? Stock it's six times EBITDA. So when I see great margins and a cheap multiple, you know, of course I'm worried something's wrong, and I and that's where you have to go do your work. Mm-hmm. What's about to go wrong? is always the question that you should be asking. And, you know, I'd say anytime you find a stock at this level, only one out of five or one out of ten actually ends up getting bought, just to throw that caveat out. This isn't, you know, this isn't uh, ready to eat yet. It's got to cook a little bit here. Speaking of the number one. Which number one? You just said number one. I did? You did. Speaking of it, there's only one analyst. Oh, one analyst. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a positive return on assets. You know, pretty good in the mid to upper teens at least the last couple of years. They had a big bad year in '09, but it looks like a write off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, versus yep. anything else. And well, they uh, obviously they also bought. Look at 2011. They bought something. Assets went up 100 million. Long term debt went up. Uh, you know, 70 million. Yeah. Um, Shares went from you know twenty nine million to thirty two million. So they clearly bought something. You see the big yeah. jump in the stock yeah. price. So that's yeah, and what the cash that is down exactly. 20 million. The market this year loves the acquisition apparently because the stock's up fifty percent, two thousand twelve. So that would suggest yeah, whoever they bought, they seem to be doing a relatively good job of integrating it. The market loves it. It's been a monster stock. Um, the question is, are we getting on too late? Well, from a technical point of view, which I don't ever really take, I mean, it's off. You know, there were so many stocks in '09 you could have bought for a buck, and now they're at ten. This one you could have bought for a buck fifty, and it's six. So you know, yeah, four dollars dollars left to go (laughs) according uh, to that analysis. It's uh, but you know, over that same period, uh, let me see here. Um, You know, cash has tripled. Uh, sales have doubled, much of which is due to an acquisition. But, you know, the company's making some progress. Uh, they're, uh, let's see here, I guess their debt is actually uh, at the high right now, so I can't say Well, because they just did that. this they acquisition. Did deal. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. The thing I'm mostly attracted to here is these margins. When I see a 70% gross margin, I mean, just, just think about it. That means that I'm getting 70 cents... For every dollar of sales, which means that whatever it is I'm doing costs thirty cents, and I'm charging a dollar. That means I've tripled the cost. Now that's of goods, but if I do that same analysis on the gross mar- on the EBIT margin, let's just round it. I got a twenty-five percent EBITDA margin. That means that uh, for every dollar of sales, I'm getting twenty-five cents in in profit. My costs are seventy-five cents, and I'm charging a buck. That's a thirty-three percent markup on cost. Why are customers willing to go for that? Well, 
because they can't do it themselves. And so there must be something. I mean, when you see 5% margins and things like that, that's just, hey, buddy, why don't you do it? I'm busy. But when you see 25% margins, it's like, crap, I wish we could do that, but we can't, so we got to hire this guy. You now, know? now, you know what? Here's just a mechanical story or issue. <clears throat> we know, we said, go back, we know they bought something, and that's why the stock's been, been so enthusiastic. Because when they bought something, their sales went from eighty-one million to one hundred and sixty-four million. Yeah, clearly they did something. So the question is, are they integrating this thing um, well? Well, you know, when you look at the first full year that they owned it, margins dipped a little bit from seventy-two percent to sixty-five percent. But that would suggest that the integration process is going well. We know there's only one analyst who follows it. So usually, yeah. what happens with a stock like this is they bid it up fifty percent just because they know they they bought something. Sales are going to double. I'm on this stock. I have a trigger. If this story is a great story, it's probably not baked into the stock yet because there's only one analyst who would know well, we're only a quarter of the way through what this acquisition is going to do to the company. So this may just be a knee-jerk reaction on the part of the market. If it's a really powerful story, we may have miles to go before the story plays yeah. out. I think so. I mean, look at this target price for the analyst. How do we find this guy? I don't know. We the analyst? Call? Yeah, that's, that's, you want to call that guy. I don't know uh, who he is. What yeah. the, his name isn't here. But anyway, so that's worth a look. Easy Link yeah. Services, ticker E, what? S-C-I-C. -E okay, now I got to, Carrie wants us to say this again. I guess he's running commercials. Why don't you take a turn? You're listening to the Stock Talk with the Value Guys. Next up is... Name of segment. No, wait. We got... Wait a minute. Here we go. Okay, let's do that. You want to do it over? You're listening to Stock Talk. Stock. Stock Talk sounds like yeah, we're farmers. Stock Talk. Say that three times fast. No, I don't... Look, it's... Oh, let's try it. That's... Carrie, don't use that one. Okay. You're listening to Stock Talk with the value guys. Next up is... Name of segment. <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on, man. All right, oh, look, next you up. want me to give it a try? Next no. up is Parfums. Interparfums. Maybe we should just give the ticker. Sounds at that like point. something that happens when you eat too much All Mexican right, let me try. food. You're listening to Stock Talk with the Value Guys. Up next is Interparfums, ticker IPAR. Wow. How about In that? Interparfum? I don't want to get into that. All right. Uh, okay. The Value Guys are back talking about. Interparfums. Okay. You're going to have to edit that out, I'm sure, Carrie. All right. Interparfums. Let's see. Now, uh, this is opposed to the outer parfums, and I think that's an entirely we're do different. That next week. That's a different business. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. This guy, again, it, we ran the screen, microcaps, so it's $470 million, which is tiny, although there's seven analysts, and we've talked about this before. That either means... There's an industry, and this guy's in it, and they all have to cover that, and they might as well do this one. And I think that's the case because Estee Lauder's $25 billion, Elizabeth Arden is a billion. These guys are $400 million. Uh, so, you know, they're just laying out there. If you're an analyst covering some of these branded companies, you end up having to do it. Or there's a bunch of bankers running around trying to get this thing sold, and they're getting their analysts to cover it so that they can, you know, peddle the company. Who knows? But it's uh, it's a it's a you know it's a it's a sixty percent gross margin business that's attractive. It's six times EBITDA. 
they grew pretty well all through the recession like that. And so I look at what they do. They, you know, obviously the name tells a lot, but they develop, manufacture, distribute, par perfume, and cosmetics. And I think their biggest uh, relationship is Burberry, where they do the par the perfume. Also Van Cleef and Arpels. I'm sure I've bastardized It's Arpels. Arpels. Jimmy Choo, Paul Smith, Mont Blanc, uh, S.I. DuPont, and a couple of other things. Um, they own Lanven perfumes. They own Nickel, a skincare company. So they own a bunch of things. And they do perfumes for, like, the Gap. Uh, they do perfume uh, and, uh, and other fragrances. Brooks Brothers. For Brooks Brothers, yeah. yeah. Um, Nine West, Lane Bryant. So, you know, I don't see all the breakout here, but undoubtedly, if you look at their sales of $600 million, some portion of it, maybe it's $200 million or something, you know, they design their own perfumes and, and own those brands. But it looks like the, the, the larger component is them licensing the brand the name, name and, and then, stuff in a bottle. you know, putting the stuff in the bottle. And, and they may own the, the fragrance or may, may not. You know, who knows? I don't know. But um, they're putting up these high margins. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they got a big royalty payment that comes out in SG&A, which is about you know, higher than usual, 40-50%, and then they're putting up mid-teens EBITDA margins very consistently, Mo. So you look, it's always, it's almost like the the owners of the brand are saying, hey, look, uh, IPIR, you can earn a little money, but it's got to be between 11 and 14% or we're going to come after you. Because right. it's right in that zone, you know, and I, I bet it's exactly something like that. Return on assets is low, which you'd say, well, why would that be? And, of course, I don't know. I'm doing as little work as possible. But I think it's possible that when they write these contracts with the brands, that they take those payments over the life and they roll it up into like a lease payment type of thing. And then they have that in their assets uh, as a, or, uh, you know, or, or, or in their uh, capital. And so it er erodes their return on assets down to what would be a market return on assets. In other words, 5% on your investment, you know, if you put money in T-bills, you've got a 2% return on assets. So on that sort of market value basis, you know, that's not terrible. And they leverage it a little bit into a 10 11% return on uh, equity, which, again, in this environment, if it truly is an annuity, that's a good deal. I do know people like their fragrances. Uh, you know, we have a Spice Islands for a reason, and it's been going on ever since. And... Uh, and so, uh, you know, six times EBITDA, that's a 16% cash-on-cash return. The balance sheet looks to be in uh, decent shape. Long-term debt is zero. Mm -hmm. And uh, total debt is, you know, single digits. So, you know, I'm, uh, I, I'm interested in that, Mo. What, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, well, you know, you can, you, can, you can tell what a good business model is. It smells good, I just want to say. Ah, ah, uh, very bad, bad, bad. Sorry um, about that. So uh, you know, one of the things you can you can look at this company and you can say, easy easy on that stuff. Um, you know, they do six hundred and forty-five million in sales and they only have two hundred and eighty-three employees. That tells you an awful lot. Um, Three million of, per employee. You know, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, if you go back and you look at Corval, they do half the sales with uh, two thousand nine hundred employees. So yeah. you gotta like their business plan. But here's yeah. what I'm wondering. One, just another mechanical thing. 
seven analysts following this company. This company does 89,000 shares a day. How does 89,000 shares a day feed seven analysts? Let's do the math on that. It's here. You can have mine. That's not pretty. Anyway, while you're doing that, it doesn't doesn't make sense that they, they would ever generate. So, the stock was a killer stock in 2009, 2010, up 58 percent. That's uh, three hundred thousand dollars in commissions per year for the whole stock. Yeah. Now, what's yeah. that divided? Cents. What's that divided by seven? Ah, bonus time. That's what it is. Uh, Oh, wait a minute. What did I say? Let's just say 350000 divided by 7. That's uh, 50000 so 50000 gross pot potential gross potential but revenues. the sales guys are getting half of that. All right. And, and then, then the, the banker, firm. Yeah, the, the firm takes their... I mean, you're the analyst. So, here. all right. Well, anyway. are not getting any of that. Here's what I'm thinking. There's seven guys that were following this stock. Because in 2009 and 2010, it was hot. It was up 58% in 2009, 54% in 2010. In 2010, nothing happened with the shares, so it wasn't an offering that got all these analysts on board. I think they loved whatever the business plan was, but here's what worries me. Sales in 2011, 34%, so everybody's enthusiasm is, is uh, validated, but sales are only up 5% this year. Yeah. Stock has gone down 17% in the last 12 months. Is something going wrong? That's the only thing I'm worried about. Yeah. Well, that's what you're always worried about. I know, you're a value I know, guy. I know. Is something going wrong? I mean, these stocks are cheap for a reason. It's well, either I wanna, I, yeah, I it's wanna, either misunderstanding by the market, or yeah. it's the company's going to hell, and you got to figure out which one it is. That's that's it. It's a good thing we're not yeah, playing with live ammo. Save the graduate ammo. school tuition. That's all you need to know right now. It's true. Okay, are we doing the next one? Inter. Sorry. All right. This again came off this uh, micro cap screen we ran in the shop uh, this week. So this is uh, $200 million in in market cap. I mean, there's buildings where there's that much, uh, you know, in the elevator. Right. And you could just buy this thing. And if you did, it's trading at five and a half times EBITDA. And if we think of EBITDA as a cash flow, 1 over 5.5 is 18% Cash on cash return, that's pretty attractive. So, again, you know, it's interesting. Um, they've got, uh, like some of the other stocks we've been looking at today, enormous gross margins, 60s, 70. Who knows if this is even legal, but uh, no, it is. I'm just kidding around. And then there's a big sales cost because their EBITDA margins are in the low teens, 12%. And, uh, and an EBIT in the upper single digits. But what do these guys do? I'll just tell you, it's, in, it's fascinating, Mo. Look at this. Some of the 10K. Intersections provides consumer and corporate identity risk management services. The company offers subscription-based consumer protection, insurance, and membership services. These are like bodyguards for your, just, for your Internet password. Yeah, That's what they so. provide you I'm with, right? I'm imagining spies. Spy, remember spy versus spy? Corporate brand protection, business intelligence. There's an oxymoron. Yeah, we need that. Uh, including online channel monitoring, auction monitoring. Hey, bail bonds. They do bail bonds. Score. Look do they? Look. They do it all. So, let's see. They're helping people with online theft, fraud, credit profiles, online brand, brand protection, and bail bonds 
industry solutions. We should call Jim because he's probably working with those guys yeah. right now. But you know they're reducing a sentence. I know. I didn't. I didn't. Two know years. That. Is that? Shout out to Jim. She <laughs> be strong, man. Uh, it's gonna no, go by. I don't know. You know you. I don't know all your friends, Mo. I have to say, so I'm not. I don't know Jim. Goldman Sachs will never be uh, the same. Just so you yeah, know, how, we miss you. <laughs> How's the family? Um, That's personal. Okay. Do you, know, do you know what's interesting about intersections? Not yeah, but what do you think is? Look at what they just did with the dividend. Ah, uh, okay. That would be down. Let's see. Look at what they just did. What did they do? They uh, took it from. Wow. Yeah. They really cranked it up. 30? First of all, 2009 it was zero. And these guys have been around for a while, and they were trading pretty flat up in, th- you know, 2009. And uh, there was no, no dividend, and all of a sudden a 30-cent dividend and a 70-cent dividend. Now, if it wasn't, if that wasn't a one-time um, payout, and it's really 70 cents now. Yeah. Whoa, that's management is sending you a very powerful signal. But what you can't see is whether that was a a one-time payout, which is why the stock popped, yeah. or um, or is that now the new dividend? But that's interesting when you look at that. I also think the stock was up 113% in 2010. I think people knew that that payout was going to happen. The stock got a little ahead of itself. And in 2011, it was up six, and 2012, it's up ten. So it's kind of gr- was was growing into that valuation, absorbing that big jump. Yeah. Um, so now the big question in my mind is: Is a seventy cents? Are we going to see that next year? In which case, you got a six point six percent dividend yield. If that's real, go for it. Yeah, that's what they're posting. Yeah. So, but that is it. That and is, and it's covered by the earnings and the cash flow. So it's not as if they're not sustainable at that level. And I'll tell you, when I see a gross margin that high, I almost think I think Tollgate. You yeah. know, they just somebody's got to pay it. Yeah, um, yeah that's and, an intriguing, uh, intriguing find. Well, so only one analyst too. One analyst, but you know, it, it was uh, it was up a lot that year. It got to twelve times EBITDA. And clearly, they had a period here where margins improved a lot. They fixed something, and the market liked that. Uh, but sales, you know, they really held up through this whole period. There's not, well, there's one down year, but it's down by half a million bucks on a $360 million base. So I'm going to call that flat. And they, they kind of skated right through, instituted this dividend five and a half times. So what's the balance sheet look like pretty good no no debt to speak of is there a place where we can see what the dividend was paid quarterly so we know that it wasn't a big one-time uh, payout and it's going to go back down to 30 cents yeah i have a i just don't have that all right we gotta look for right that now. but yeah that's it could be that they just started up a you know a, a what's the dividend 70 cents so they started up a you know a 15 cent dividend so you got two quarters of it in 2010 and then yeah, 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 three, yeah, yeah. Four yeah. here, but yep. then they bumped it yep. a dime. Very, yep, very, very. So possible. it's interesting. They're clearly sending you some kind of signal there. Have so. you um, take a look at the bottom? This yeah. is—I don't know if we should worry about this, but look at who these guys—they're up against Equifax, Experian, Fair Isaac. We've yeah, talked we about, talked about, about these. Fair guys. Isaac's amazing. So these are the big boys out there. So I'd also want to know: Are you guys in a niche that's safe enough, or are you really going toe to toe? With Experian and Equifax. Well, you know what? I mean, it, in the 10K, I think by law or whatever, they got to list their most important things first. So they risk provides consumer and corporate identity 
risk management services. Which That's is not pretty really, niche. Right, which and, is not really what experience. Yeah, I mean, these guys are more credit, you know, evaluation guys and all that, and they may, Maybe, yep, I yep. mean, I'm sure they could, you know, branch into this and harm these guys, but wouldn't they just, you know, buy them at that point? Yeah. If you look at these guys, they're trading at premiums. They're PEs, and there's this little comp table here. Their price-earnings ratios are at a premium right. to intersections, which means... If they bought intersections for stock, be accretive. it would be accretive, and that's an easy way to tell that. If the guy you're buying is at a lower multiple than you, it's going to be accretive. And the same way, if the interest rate on them, if the E over P is uh, lower on your cost of capital for the acquired company, it's also accretive. Of so course, these guys know it because it's run by Michael R. Stanford, MBA. Oh, is he MBA? And, wow. and... Christopher Shenfield, MBA. They're both MBAs. Wow. Oh, those guys know everything. Well, congratulations I mean, they've, to uh, they, they, this Michael Stanfield. Yeah. I hope that On that he, degree, uh, that's impressive. So they would know all this. Yeah. We're just talking to so stuff they, they already can, know. If they can sell a company, and uh, we get to keep a 7% dividend yield for a while, and then they sell the company for, I don't know, Forty dollars a share could yeah. be could be an interesting idea. Yeah, I think so. Not the best, not our best, but a good one. All right, okay. You know, uh, we're really the show's taking a long time. All those uh, all those inner you know inner segment breaks are really taking their toll here. But uh, what do we have? We have one more name to do. No, or is that it? That was it. Oh, great. So we okay. have. Um, so we're gonna do. Well, let's do a toast to the first half of the show. I thought it went pretty well with all those. Uh, all those introductions to the segments and all, that's a new thing. Did I was a little you, nervous about it. It came out all right. Did you take that mixer out of the refrigerator? Yeah. Is it not supposed to be? No, but is it yours? No. No, it wasn't. <laughs> did uh, you read the sign on the refrigerator door? What did it say? Don't take sodas that don't belong to you. No, but the person that wrote that... I wrote that. ...reports to me. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll replace it. I'm going to... This is just from downstairs, so we can go down. All right. You just saved a little bit of time. Okay. So what do we got? We're going to do... Uh, Which first? We're going to do something here that... Sectors uh, or... Well, let's do this because it's ready to go, and I'm getting sleepy, frankly. Oh. How about right. you? What do we... Let me do... Uh, let me read this. Okay, here we go. You want to try it? We've got to do it again now. And You're... then what if, what if we do this one? <clears throat> or no, not that. I know the other one. Yeah. Where'd it go? Ding. Okay. You're listening to Stock Talk with the Value Guys. Next up is, we don't really have a name for the section, We don't section, have a name do for it, no. Um, okay. uh, stuff on my screen. Stuff on your screen. That's what we're going to call Which it. Which was a sector was analysis a sector for the last where did, week. Where does the hell did that go? I don't know where mine is either. I had it here. Wait a minute, I got mine. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. Uh, I don't have mine, but maybe I can just... You can't look, look at mine. mine. No, I have secret uh, notes on mine. Okay. What do you got? Go ahead. I'll... All right. So here's what we did. We took um, we took the basic sectors of the economy. I don't know how many are on this page. Fifty. Yeah. Um, okay. Ranked them. Found it. Ranked them. As what their performance was for the last week. And um, yeah. You know, I don't know that you can see much from a you know auto parts had a huge week, uh, thirty eight up thirty eight percent. I don't know if you could say why that was the case and why. You know, someone else was only was up. Is there a page two? Nope, that's it. Huh. Okay. That's it. Um, so the, the looking at the one week is is hard to do. 
Uh, I don't know. Do you uh, did you divine anything? Well, all I did was uh, I had this on my screen, and it looks like I didn't print the second page. Uh, but in any case, half know, the S and P is better than none yeah, at all. We have. So here's the thing: the Russell. We have a benchmark, the Russell 2000 value. We're a value shop, small cap value. So we had a bad week. The Russell 2000 value was down 4% this week. The S&P down 2.5, basically. The Dow Jones down 1.4. Well, why? I guess that, that nasty recession in Europe keeps coming back. It's back again now. That pesky recession yeah. just won't go it's away. It's back. And so people are a little worried about that. Uh, and then we've got, is, and you know, we talk about this on the show, this national economic trends, if you look through it, you know, now people are worried employment's slowing down. To me, that's old news. That was in, you know, last week's uh, national economic trends. But in any case, the market was down. So, Mo, all I did was I pulled this up to see what was doing well. I thought it'd be interesting. That's all. I mean, who knows? Auto parts? Well, the best performer in the week was auto parts, up 38%. There's probably five companies in there, and they, you know, they did well. Who knows why? Uh, drug manufacturers had a good week, up 25%. Uh, healthcare up 18 That probably suggests people are feeling a little better about, you know, profits still available under Obamacare. Or they think that the Supremes are going to, you know, throw it out. Who knows? Restaurants had a good week. Uh, you know, who else? That, those are the big ones. And then who you know, had a bad week? <coughs> That's what I want. I didn't print that part. You know, um, while you're printing that, one of the things I looked at, which I thought was interesting, was okay. I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite put together any big picture stuff by looking at the five day stuff. But boy, when you look at the three year stuff, there are some really interesting things in here. For instance, man, this is depressing. The five, the three year return for a sector, solar energy, is down forty percent. Man, this has just been a disaster. That didn't work out. Year to date is down 16%. One month it was down 22%. Yeah. The last three months, 30%. The last year, 77 Now, for three years in a row, that's sort of a shame. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of green at heart. Um, on the other well, hand. Well, how about that? If you're, if you're green, you can buy those green assets at 60 cents on the dollar now. I it's suppose. It's a good deal. If, like, if you didn't go out and buy all that stuff, it's got a better price on it now. That that's is true. The, but you would, you, would, you would hope that or you would think that uh, all these ads for energy independence that you'd see a you know, better number for solar energy. But that's that. I guess we're getting beat up by the Chinese. Um, on the other hand, what's also surprising is one of the best stock, you know, sectors has been uh, tobacco. How does that work? Is that it's just smoking. all? That sector is smoking. No. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a sector. I, again, I wouldn't have known that. That's a sector that's been up. 36% over the last three years. I mean, it was up 32% last yeah. year. Addictive drugs. So, you know, I, who would have thought solar energy down, tobacco up? Not surprisingly, you know, the uh, the healthcare, the medical care stocks have been the biggest ones out there. Um, but another big sector that surprised me was, really, REITs? I guess that's just an interest rate play. Are you looking at the right one? That is, uh, I think it that is. That looks like. Uh, oh, B regional banks. Regional banks. Uh, that would make sense. And that's makes off way the low. more sense. And then the the last thing is, explain this to me. Okay. Casinos. 
off the low. Those things got crushed. Se- se- up 67%? Well, 09, remember, we're looking right at the low three years ago. March 09, March 2012. Anything with debt on it nearly went to zero. And so that was a sector that had uh, a bunch of big casinos, MGM, and some others that uh, had big debt loads. And there was fear they were going tapioca. Well, so, man, they're, they're, yeah. they're, that's big time. And they're up 31% year to date. So is there room left yeah. in that story? Uh, we have a pretty big bet in gambling here, around here. I mean, we own uh, Bally's. Williams. You own yourself, too, right? Yeah, it's a we do employee own firm, So that's the yeah. biggest ownership yeah, in gambling yeah, that, you, right. <laughs> that you could make. Uh, yeah, but, you know, no, we, we have a smattering of uh, gaming-related uh, stocks, as we like to say. Well, Is a smattering more or less than a handful? It's a less. less. We have about uh, a 3% weight in gambling. I'm giving away a lot of secrets here on the show. Anyway. Um, so anyway, that's interesting. I can't get the bottom half to print, but I'll just throw out the, you know, the, the couple of bad areas were uh, aluminum, utilities, insurance, you know, I don't know, medical distribution, who knows. I, I just had that up on my screen. So, um, well, do you want to do this other segment or just maybe save it for next week? We're um, at 45 minutes. People need to get going home, don't you? Save it for next week? Yeah. And uh, we are the value guys, now also on the Financial Survival Network. That's right. That's and, right. Um, and, and we are on YouTube. On YouTube now. And we're on, uh, um, we're on 1490 WGCH. H-H-H-H. And uh, that's on, uh, on Tuesdays on the Financial Survival Network. So... Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Value Guys Stock Talk Show. See all our caveats at www.thevalueguys.com and look forward to catching you again next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a good weekend.